Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Folland. Welcome to another one. Thanks for downloading. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by Pension B, the flexible pension for the self-employed. They make it easy to contribute as much or as little as you like, as often as you like, so you can get set up in minutes and then get back to business. And if you've got existing pensions, it's easy to bring them together. Start saving for a future beyond being freelance. Download the app or head to pensionb.com. Pension B is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority with investments your capital is at risk. But right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance. For designer and illustrator, Andy Best. Being in that building with nine other businesses that were already trading there, that was a huge benefit because... It was like free networking. So immediately out of the gate, there was a pool of clients who you know, wouldn't have happened if I just set up in a, in a spare room and, and hoped that the internet would provide. I get clients that, that ghost me upon hearing the quotes that I'm, that I'm giving for the work. And I get clients who have, have absolutely no compunction saying to me, oh, you're cheap, aren't you? <laughs> you're charging more. Yeah, we'll take it. Somewhere between sort of 10 and 15 years in the game and there's still no consensus on exactly what you should or shouldn't be charging. So there's Andy. His story coming up very soon indeed. He's a freelance creative. He designs, he illustrates. We'll get into it. He does a lot of things uh, and he does it based on the south coast of England. He's also a member of the Being Freelance community. He's won the Non-Employee of the Week Awards, which is something we do live every Friday. If you're not in the community, come join us. Uh, it's at beingfreelance.com. Click the link through to the community. Yeah, You heard the Non-Employee of the Week Awards. And if you don't know what that is, you're missing out. So please do come join us. So Andy's story coming in a moment. Also, thank you so much to everybody who's already bought the new Being Freelance merch. It launched just a couple of weeks ago as this season started. There's now hoodies and tees and sweatshirts. The t- oh, the sweatshirts. They're like it's like being inside a bluebird's nest. That's how not that you should do that. There's probably an ornithological reason. You'll get cancelled by David Attenborough if you do that. No, but you know what? It's so nice inside that sweatshirt. You can find one that suits you and get it on its way to you by going to beingfreelance.com slash shop where you also get the mugs and other things besides. But yeah, the T-shirts, the hoodies and the sweatshirts. If you do get one, and thank you to those who do, please do send me a photo. Tag me in on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. LinkedIn needs our fashion, right? Come on. At being freelance is where you'll find me. Okay, let's chat to this week's guest. He's got a good shop, actually. No, you know, like each week, (laughs) no, I think about it. Each year, I do like a Christmas freelance gift guide. You can find it at beingfreelance.com in the blog section. And Andy's artwork has been featured in there for the last couple of years. Uh, It's really, really great. Do suggest you check it out. Anyway, shut up, Folland. Let's hear from Andy, shall we? This week's guest, freelance creative Andy Best. Hey, Andy. Hi, Steve. Uh, Thank you very much for having me on. As ever, how about we get started hearing how you got started? being freelance i can probably track the origin of my career back to my degree years uh, which would have been circa 2006 2009 where i graduated from the arts institute in bournemouth uh, with a ba honors degree in illustration uh, much like tom hovey of great british bake-off illustration fame and former being freelance podcast guest i was gonna say i think you mean being freelance podcast fame (laughs) (laughs) if uh if i've done my calculations correctly he would have been finishing up his final year 
the same year that I started the course. Ah. So we would have we would have shared some studio space together. So Bournemouth turning out some absolute legends. Do you know I went to Bournemouth? But you? I went I went to the university, so across the road from all the cool people who went to the art college. <laughs> well, as I say, Bournemouth turning out the absolute legends. <laughs> so, well, I mean, the, the, the course there, is, uh, is, as I say, it was illustration, and the course was pretty much geared up for you going out into the world and manage yourself. There's not a tremendous a lot of opportunity to become a, a salaried in-house illustrator. So the most, uh, the, the bulk of, of uh, commercial illustration work comes from um, freelancing or, or mm. you know, contracting through, through gigs and things. So you even need to secure that kind of work directly with the client or you need agency representation. And in each case, you'd need a portfolio. And portfolios then were predominantly those kind of A1-sized black canvas uh <laughs> sort of the size of a small caravan kind of thing that you'd slip your your artwork into uh, if it's digital you'd have to get it printed off first obviously as well into the plastic wallets it had a shoulder strap you had to literally mount it onto yourself and then kind of cart it around to the interviews and things uh and i didn't, didn't really fancy doing that uh so i i decided i'd i'd rather have a website and get my artwork up on there and you know a link is decidedly lighter than than a heavy portfolio to cart around everywhere so being as i was a student at the time or just you know just graduated didn't really have the the cash to get an agency or someone professional to put a site together i decided to do it myself and for that i took on an auxiliary class and uh, learned the beginner's guide to html which opened up a huge avenue for me uh it was it blew my mind really to um to find a new way to take my illustration and my kind of graphic design prowess and 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 present it in a way that is interactive and is uh much more accessible you know to, to think that there are strangers out there engaging with stuff that you've you've built for them and, and instructed them how to use and and you kind of lead them through uh, the processes of those web pages and, and to, to arrive at whatever goal it is you've deemed uh, necessary. So that kind of added web and web design to the gamut of stuff that I that I was doing creatively. And as I say, the course was pretty much go out and manage yourself. So that's that's what I wanted to do. So I I, uh, I became freelance immediately after graduating. I moved back temporarily uh, to my hometown. I hired a serviced office. <laughs> yeah, I set up there. It was uh, for the budget. I mean, it was it was a triangular shaped office, so <laughs> no no furniture configuration was really ideal in there. Uh, it didn't have windows, so it could be a relatively depressing environment. But uh, but it wasn't. You know, I made I made it work. I got some of my illustration up on the walls and I started to develop my kind of brand, my logo, my uh, perception of aesthetically what I was going to be as, a, as a, a trading entity now and set that all up around the space. And so, yeah, I suppose if, if getting web uh, knowledge and the beginnings of web knowledge was the first Kickstarter to the idea that, that I could confidently do this um, freelance-wise, the second Kickstarter would be being in that building, being within those bricks with the other, I think it was nine other businesses that were already trading there. Uh, that was a huge 
huge benefit because those businesses that we were also kind of close knit sharing the communal spaces uh the, the kitchen areas the staircases and such conversation would just would just happen uh it was like it was like free networking um so immediately out of the gate there was a pool of clients and resource to to just utilize from from day one which i, I you know wouldn't have happened if i just set, set up in a, in a spare room and, and hoped that the internet mm. would provide you know so yeah i'd pass people that oh hey are you are you the new guy yeah yeah are you you've got the triangle office right uh, yeah 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 that's me yeah uh what, what is it that you do oh you know i'm a I'm a freelance creative. Oh, what does what does that mean? <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's it's web, it's uh, illustration, it's graphic design, it's uh, oh, do you do uh, do you do leaflets? Do you do business cards? You know, and you know, there weren't jobs that that obviously rocked my world, but they were they were enough foot in the door to get the ball rolling. You know, so the networking was happening, word of mouth between the offices was happening, and. Uh, yeah that was that was the strongest start given that I, I didn't really didn't really have a plan I just had the determination to get started mm. so the cost of playing out for the interesting shaped office <laughs> was reaped in by actually having those first clients or referrals literally on your doorstep yeah absolutely yeah yeah and it's it saved the legwork I mean I never did any any formal kind of marketing i didn't go in for because as soon as you hook up a phone line in a place like that you you get bombarded with junk sales calls which, <laughs> would you like to join our directory would you like your phone number published published here and there um i didn't go in for any of that so i was quite light on broadcasting beyond that building initially and uh it seemed that that was okay that was fine there was plenty of work coming from those eight or nine other businesses and that went on even even after I left that building eventually some of those clients came with me uh, in so much as they were still commissioning me to do bits and pieces so how did it continue to sort of grow or continue from there if you weren't putting yourself out at all yeah so as I say word of mouth was a big deal um the, the people in those buildings uh, in those offices knew other people oh I've got this guy at the moment he's doing this he's doing that maybe he could help you too so referral was was huge word of mouth and that's that's still true today even today I don't really do a lot of marketing I mean I'm quite active on social media um, I, I genuinely enjoy social media so I like having conversations I like sharing whatever it is I'm working on meeting other people other free I mean you the, the being freelance community is obviously huge for that and I've met so many people just through casual conversation there so that's that's exactly what I mean when I say I'm using social for for conversation and for uh, just a sort of diet soft networking I suppose is something I do I must admit now you mention that I do often see you on Twitter getting involved in Twitter chats yeah yeah that's that's a I do that a lot there are three four maybe that I that I try to participate in regularly and it's and it's because the the chats I don't know the net, networking even offline has got this sort of stigma of everybody just shouting directly at each other what it is that they do and 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 hoping that that's the way to secure work and that's not it's not I mean I've attended networking events and, and business shows and things and it's just 
beguiling. <laughs> That's all it is. It's like a bun fight of marketing. It's bizarre. And I admit, you know, I would turn up to something like that with that agenda because that's all you see. That's that's kind of the learned behavior of a place like that. But the hashtag hours on Twitter and the chats are a little bit more orchestrated. There's usually a theme or a concept or there's at least a mediator in there um, posing the questions. And so the what's actually communicated is a mixture of that. You do get these people jumping in and shouting out what what they're working on or how much things are for sale and, and things like that. But there's also a purpose to be there. There's there's a means to talk to other people and it is talking. It's it's conversation, as I keep saying, and it's um, it's valuable and it's worthwhile. And you begin to meet people, you begin to understand their experiences and and you even learn from other people there are certainly things i've adopted that are folded into my business based on what 240 characters of of a snippet of someone's someone else's experience hmm. um so yeah the twitter twitter hours is predominantly twitter i think of all the social platforms it's twitter i use the most um it just the, the format of it just suits me yeah very active in those and i get i get a lot out of them i get business out of them very occasionally which is also good because it you know, costs nothing to just have a chat with someone. Yeah. So that's how – so mainly it was word of mouth, but actually being active in those communities online. Yeah, uh, those, that, that, that certainly helped. Yeah, yeah. I mean, business coming from those chats, it, it's, a, it's an organic kind of process. And, and again, I'm not there to secure work. I genuinely am there to, uh, to chat. Um, you know how it is being being freelance. You don't get an, often get the opportunity to uh, converse and get things out of your system, or you know shared perspectives, or even just take a break and and not be focused on whatever it is in hand you've got on your desk at the time. So um, yeah, being on being in those chats is uh, is a kind of productive way to keep in, keep going, keep thinking, keep working, but also not be working <laughs> yeah did you find um you know because often advice is you know niche or be known for this thing or whatever did you find that it that it worked for you like being an illustrator a designer i can do your web thing like you you had this broad range of skills w were you ever tempted to pick one or did you feel like it was it was great to have this sort of broad offering yeah that's a good question i don't I've, I'm not adverse to niching. Again, by the same token, I'm, I'm not like a jack of all trades. I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever claim to be an animator or a uh, photographer or something like that. The wild aspects of my work may bleed into those territories now and again. It's not something that I would uh, advertise as being part of my my skill set. But offering the breadth of services that I do offer. That's just really off the back of a kind of natural curiosity I've had about those disciplines. So illustration, typically the era of illustration that I was um, educated with and, and exposed to was already blended with graphic design. Uh, a lot of the kind of, I don't know, pop culture reference and things I grew up with was already a hybrid of graphic design and illustration. So for me, there's always scope to keep the two united. I'll always offer an illustrative component to the graphic design work that I'm working on if it's appropriate. But I don't feel that anyone is is turned off by the idea that I do quite a bit. If anything, people ask, what else I, can I do? Encourage me to uh, look at other elements of 
web or you know so for example i don't touch seo i don't touch analytics you know but they they are very prevalent elements to website design and website development and while i'm obviously conscious of those things and i cater for them to the best of my expertise i'm not going to go and advertise myself as experts or or even uh, um uh, that I'm even going to be interested in in that kind of work. That's the kind of thing that I would uh, offset or, or collaborate with another uh, another professional for if if a project uh, dictated that that be necessary. Mm. Is that something you often do? Yeah, yeah. When I have to, so I have a modest list of of contacts. Uh, some are friends. Some are complete strangers who have become associates through this this line of work i have outsourced bits and pieces for different motives to be honest it's either it's either work i don't do and don't touch can't do it um but it's a small part of a broader project so it's integral that it be done in which case I, yeah I, I bring in that resource else it's something i just simply won't i don't want to do don't want to touch it it's going to bring little value to me it's going to um take up too much of my resource when i've perhaps got focus on something else or it, it's going to be mind-numbingly dull, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Some work, some work. I mean, this is one of the benefits of free, being freelance, isn't it? It's it's that you do get to cherry pick what jobs sound like you'd want to lend your your time to, um, what you feel would look good in your portfolio, and what you'd like to push forward elsewhere. I mean, if if all the work that I took on was work that I could do and work that the client would be over the moon to have completed. That's pretty much the end of that exchange. Uh, I mean, they may come back and offer you more, but then you're just doing more of the same. Whereas I'm, I'm sort of in a position now, or maybe I've always been in the position where I like to sh take what I've completed and draw more value out of it. So sharing it on social media, here's this, this, this is something I've completed. Is this kind of what you would have in mind? Um, or what, what do you think about this project that uh, I've just collaborated with this guy on or this person with? And uh, if, if I feel like I can't have that dialogue or conversation about something I've done, then yeah, I, I, I want to kind of limit that, that work coming into my desk, if that makes sense. So you want it to be something that you're kind of like proud of or that you think will spark other work like that yeah yeah and perhaps I'm, I'm speaking to you about this right now specifically because i'm in that mindset I'm, I'm presently redesigning and rebuilding my website and the version of the site that's up now the the tact i was using was pretty much volume uh, let's let's showcase the largest volume of stuff that i've worked on i don't know to try and reap the seo benefit to, to try and put across the notion that I am uh, extremely busy and here's why, <laughs> you know, I've done 500 projects, but you know, I've, I've, that, that, I don't know when I designed that, that was almost a decade ago that website uh, was built and designed. Uh, so it's, I'm in a very, very much different state of mind and outlook now. So the, the version of the site that I'm working on behind the scenes now is, I, I, it's going to be fairly refined by contrast. So, uh, I suppose you could argue that's a form of niching, maybe. Uh, I'm trying to cut down on the breadth of projects that are on there and more tailored to the uh, the industries that those pro projects were, were within. So, I don't know, uh, retail design, for example. Well, I, do, I do an awful lot of charity work, um, or shall I say work for charities. So, because that's 
a huge chunk of of my workload comes from that sector, I perhaps need to gear a, a more um, dedicated element of the website to that sector again for the SEO benefit, but it's also more relevant. Um, the work I've done is more relevant to other organizations. So it's taken me that time to get through that initial scramble as a freelancer, because there's always the worry that, you know, that, that, that the triangle office people will go away, that uh, nothing, nothing new will materialize because I'm not marketing or perhaps all the efforts on social media, are, are, you know, bound, bountyless. That is always that worry. But I think I've reached a point now where I've, I've got significant confidence in everything that's that's happening organically. Um, I do get leads off my website as old as it is and as uh, bloated as it is. If I could ever just take those words from my Tinder profile, if I ever need one, that would be great. <laughs> as old as it is, as bloated as it is, it is reliable. <laughs> So there's Andy back with him in a moment. I just want to say thank you to Ahrefs for supporting this episode as well. Ahrefs have this amazing tool. It's the Webmaster Tools. It's free and it really helps you with your SEO, your search engine optimization. It helps get search engine traffic to your website. What Ahrefs Webmaster Tools do is they scan your website like on a regular basis, do a full audit, and then give you a report. But not just that, they help you prioritize the things you could fix to get your SEO better. And, and don't worry if, like me, you don't know anything about SEO. For a start, Ahrefs have some really handy guides, but also each thing on their report has a little question mark so that you can go, what the heck's a backlink? And then click on that and then find out exactly what it is. What is this orphan? <laughs> Genuine thing. Uh, click on the link and then you go through. So yeah, do take a look. Ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. Ahrefs is spelled A-H-R-E-F-S. And thanks to them for supporting this episode. Okay, let's get back into Andy's story. You said that you don't really like market yourself as such. But one thing I did want to talk to you about is your newsletter. Because you encourage people to sign up for it. And I did a long time ago. And I love your newsletter. But it is... Describe to us what you do with your newsletter. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, the newsletter. So as of January last year, 2021... I refined it, adjusted the formula ever so slightly. I was conscious that it was a little bit too, um, not salesy exactly. And again, it wasn't heavily marketed, but it was pretty much me, me, me. It's my newsletter. Here's some news about me. Um, and it wasn't quite offering value to anybody reading, or at least in a very limited capacity. And no one had said anything. No one had steered that uh, that thinking to me or me or me onto that course of thinking. I just I sat back and read one of my own newsletters and thought to myself, yeah, this is not this is not what it needs to be. So over the Christmas break before that January, I uh, had a good old think about it and I rejigged the formula and the newsletter now, well. I get a lot more feedback from it. People will hit reply and say, oh my gosh, Andy, this was, thanks for that. That was, that was quite amusing. That was, I've enjoyed reading that. Um, I didn't realize you, you could, you, you were a wordsmith. Someone's called me a wordsmith in the past. Um, 
people seem to be now getting or at least i'm being communicated to that they are now getting the value from it that they're enjoying it and that, and that that alone i mean when i say getting value out of a newsletter i don't mean that it's got to have um <laughs> discount codes and and industry secrets and all the rest of it it's it's just that if people take the time and they read it and they enjoy it that's that's all it needs to be that that someone's gotten something out of it that they felt compelled to even hit reply and type something i mean that's that's an extraordinary exchange to tease out of someone people just don't do stuff like that anymore um and the fact that that's happening month on month that's spurring me on to to continue doing it because again it was it was one of these huh yeah people are doing newsletters could i do and is that something i could do could i could i have i got news i'm sure i've got news why don't i (laughs) Why don't I try it? You know, it's a trial and error kind of thing. And and it, yeah, and it is working. So typically I'll open with something topical, an anecdote, something that has occurred or, or led me into thinking about something new or different, a new way of looking at something, something in the month. It's monthly, so that gives me enough time to ignore it and then furiously put it together <laughs> when the month's nearly done. Then I might showcase a couple of things that I've either working on or have completed with a bit of a breakdown of those jobs. And that's that's about for me about as kind of marketing as it gets, um, because that's a direct depiction of my services. Then there'll be this uh, section with a quote or or a, a takeaway kind of something somebody said or something that's been published that uh that's incensed me at some point during the month <laughs> and uh, or really struck a chord or really made me you know it's been quite thought-provoking or, so I'll, in, I'll include that because you know i'll reflect on it i'll obviously link to it as well if it's a source that that others can read on and and that i hope encourages a bit of dialogue a bit of thought-provoking beyond just just reading it and people react to that i mean i try to I try to make that relevant to the rest of the newsletter as well. So it's not just so chopping and changing all over the place. Uh, and then I might finish up with something I've seen artistically or creatively that someone else has, has been working on or, or a body of work that I've always appreciated that I've, I've never really sort of expressed to anybody else. Yeah, it's, it's a spread of stuff I've been up to, stuff that's struck a chord with me, stuff that I'm enjoying, occasionally some industry sort of news, anything that's... Um, ruffling feathers or or making a stir uh yeah it's just a it's just a blend of things like that yeah it really is great it's one of those ones where i really look forward to and you have that story full of personality but then glimpses of your actual work as well um do you do you find that it has a positive impact on your business yes do you know what yes i i, I won't i won't quote names and say who's done what here but um off the back of my newsletter going out yes i have had business i've had sales in my web shop as well so as far as the positive impact on the business goes directly financially yeah there's there's that component of it but otherwise the impact it's had on the business i suppose you could you could argue that it's a positive experience to send that out to get that feedback it's it's almost like the same kind of loop you have with a client in some respects mm. you, you've put something together and the people are reacting to it people are, are telling you what they think about it in a good light i mean no one's actually written back to me and said this is tosh mate um <laughs> chuck it in um and i don't think the unsubscribe rate is all that high either uh again it's these aren't i'm, I'm not awake at night watching these metrics but um yeah it's it's 
at the moment, and I've just probably jinxed it by saying all of this out loud, uh, it's it's going well, uh, and I enjoy doing it. You mentioned your web shop. Yeah. This is like for your artwork, right? Yeah, yeah. So as, as I mentioned earlier, I am uh, professionally educated as an illustrator. The of, of all the work that I do, illustration, sadly, um, crosses the line last. There's, there's very... And, and again, this, is, this comes back to me having said so many times that I don't market myself. I don't. If I did push myself marketing-wise as an illustrator or I marketed my illustration uh, more aggressively, perhaps that would that would turn around what I'm about to say. But illustration work is few and far between compared with the web development work um, that I that I get. Um, so it's always a surprise to people that, that I do illustrate or it's... Um, it's something they don't really have a need for. So a lot of what's in my web shop is ill-fated illustration that has nowhere else to go. <laughs> I love the fact that many people would call them side projects, passion projects, but no, they're <laughs> ill-fated pieces of work that have nowhere else to go. It's a it's a recovery program, yeah, for those for those <laughs> sorry pieces of artwork just languishing in my office. Um, yeah, I, all right, go on then, side project. Uh, it, <laughs> This is a side project. It's it's largely personal work. I mean, it wouldn't be client work, obviously. Um, it's it's personal illustration, or it's uh, some things I've revived from my degree years, or even earlier. I do get very very little spare time. Had I have more, I would obviously create more artwork on the side, and then seek to monetize it or seek to do something with it, and then the shop would uh, would offer more, but. Predominantly, what's there is, as I say, it's it's the artwork from from yesteryear that's uh, got got nowhere else to go. Mm. How about the way you work? Like, do you tend to work on one project for a big period of time, or are you spinning lots of plates at once? Oh, I'm definitely a plate spinner. Yeah, um, I know that some freelancers prefer the the template of stepping into a project or or a fixed contract with a with a with a client and then sort of see that through for i don't know a quarter of the year to half a year um that's that i've never really done that um my because i guess back in the day when i had that triangle office and then all of those guys there learned about me simultaneously or thereabouts we were all talking about projects all at the same time so a big mix of work kind of turned up at once and I've always just kind of pursued that template. Um, I've always had multiple things on the go at once. When I've got larger jobs on, I obviously have to scale that back because I just don't have the bandwidth to uh, to do that. But what I've found I'm able to do in terms of time management is assess which clients are going to take longer to review things or compile the, the the rest of the brief or the components and the elements needed etc and they're obviously off busy doing their own things and you might not i might not hear from some clients for uh, weeks or, or even months so i can't you know you can't rest on clients sim simply clients like that so yeah I, I do take on uh multiple things simultaneously obviously up to the point where I, I have got the, the headspace for them and the capacity to to address them all um, and not do a shoddy job of the work, obviously. And that's my preferred way of working, yeah, sort of not moving from one long slog to the next. I think it keeps me invigorated. It certainly keeps me interested because I'm 
quite a busy guy. I like to be busy. I like the notion of being busy. And it's not, you know, artificial. Um, it genuinely is when you've got that much work on, busy. And that's just what I'm used to. Is I'm a creature of habit, I suppose. That's what all I've known. And I, yeah, perpetuate that. And how have you found, like, the sort of business or sort of finance sides of being freelance? Yeah, yeah. Um, so jumping straight into freelance with two feet, as I did, from a creative background, creative uh, degree and now creative profession I've neglected largely uh, any preparations so far as administrative business side of, of business um, I've I've done probably as most freelancers do I've, I've sought to monetize my talent and skill and interests and sort of base the freelance career around what's going to keep me happy every day working on every day uh, with that, obviously, comes the need to monitor budgeting, financing, things that aren't the work in hand. And I've had no formal training in that. I've had, well, I've had no informal training in that. I <laughs> pretty much had to pick that up as I go. Uh, and I've been very fortunate um, in that because, like I say, in that in that first again, the triangle, the triangle of dreams, that building. Um, there was uh, there was a guy next door in the in the office next door. He obviously detected I was quite junior, quite green, and and was very kind enough to lend some of his expertise on uh, contracting, just tweaking and tightening things. I mean, I, I didn't go completely green into being freelancing. Um, I'd done my research and I and I'd got some templated ideas together of how to contract and what terms to offer uh, a rough idea on rates as well um rates seems to be a point of contention for for all new freelancers i think because there's no frame of reference really nobody's aware of, of what everyone seems to I, I the perception is that there is this hidden formula that people are keeping up their jumpers and won't reveal about what stuff should cost what you should be charging uh, and anytime a question like that gets raised in a forum like like facebook group or something <laughs> there's not really general consensus that emerges from that either so to kind of define my rates uh it was it became a question of well what what do i want to earn how much would i like what's my overheads how much am i paying out how much do i have to cover and sort of divvy that up into into rates that make sense and and then you know when you when you come to the end of that equation is that competitive is that can will people pay that sort of thing and again the results are inconclusive i get i get clients that that ghost me upon hearing the quotes that i'm that i'm giving for the work and that's after we've spent you know an hour or two on on a prospective call scoping out what's digitally and technically involved and the rest of it and, and i get clients who have have absolutely no compunction saying to me oh you're cheap aren't you <laughs> <laughs> be charging more yeah we'll take it um so yeah well, I, I don't know, 10 somewhere between sort of 10 and 15 years in the game and um there's still no consensus on exactly on, on what what you should or shouldn't be charging um so it's all suck it and see trial and error and that's that's sort of been my philosophy since the beginning then again through not knowing otherwise and it, yeah it may not be the best way to go it may not be the most efficient way to do things but it's working so i'll stick with that
<laughs> so you've had kids since while while being freelance. How did it change that? Having kids did change. I won't use the word disrupt, but it did change the way I freelance. Before kids, I I thought nothing of working flat out till 3 a.m. Uh, for example, not through sort of stress or deadlines or mismanagement, but just from getting into the zone, getting quite inspired about whatever it was I was working on or making huge strides of progress in some coding or something like that and, and just being so tunnel vision focused in a positive way on what I was working on. And it wasn't detrimental. I wasn't like a zombie the next day or was, I had the flexibility to, to take that in my stride. Children are, are new clients, basically. <laughs> they also need managing they also need they've got their own schedules their own timelines so it's impacted that fancy free approach to getting freelance work done I, obviously I, I i wouldn't change it for the world but i had to adjust what i did my my formula had to adjust on the back of of their presence which you know is, is was expected to a degree so now Freelancing is a little bit more robust during the days around school pickups and collections and drop-offs. And uh, then there's every every other week, it feels like, there's a holiday of some sort and uh, the kids are around. And again, there's no there's no formula for how that's treated. Um, where we are, we, we don't have uh, a lot of uh, external support from sort of uh, family and friends and things like this. So we are reliant on schemes and clubs um, play dates and you know sort of kid sharing and this kind of thing so yeah that keeps you on your toes because that's that's pretty organic every time so it was an adjustment but it's a case of keeping on top of it really taking each day as it comes i don't now channel through till 3 a.m i can't do it <laughs> it's not with a one-year-old i'm basically awake at 3 a.m anyway but i will get back to my desk for a few extra hours after the sort of bedtime routine and things like that is done and uh, just work as as efficiently as I can. I take on less if I know I'm if there's a holiday coming up, for example, or I try and take on the kind of work that doesn't require so much intense focus. So yeah, there's no there's no hard and fast answer to that. It's just it has been a huge adjustment. And then again, some when my second came along, doing the doing the best I can. <laughs> okay now andy i always do this thing where i ask for three facts about yourself to make two true one a lie and let me figure out the lie what do you have for me okay i once yawned so hard that i dislocated my shoulder <laughs> i once had to cat sit for a client over zoom <laughs> and right. and i once started a fight in a parisian artist ghetto okay you yawned so Shot. I was expecting George, you know, when you, <laughs> your, your shoulder dislocated. Yeah, I, so I sustained a shoulder injury when I was about 17, 18. And uh, it's always just been a bit weak uh, since then. I can't remember how many times it has dislocated now. Four or five, maybe. <laughs> um, but this was, the la this was the most recent one or the, the, la the last one. Yeah, I yawned, yawned so hard. And I don't know, maybe the angles were off. <laughs> But uh, yeah, an ambulance turned up because uh, I. Oh, you can't just pop it back in. Well, I mean, you're not supposed to. Um, 
you're not supposed to because you know you, you might not do it fully correctly and if you do you're supposed to get assessed thereafter to make sure there's there's are you fine. not terrified that like if you were in a meeting and it was a bit boring or uh, <laughs> or i'll be honest my daughter caught me yawning at a school concert once um like that you might just suddenly well i can use that then as an excuse to get out of such things you know yeah, the school concert uh say i'm sorry my shoulder's out i can't <laughs> attend um uh, okay you had to cat sit a client's cat over <laughs> so so that so what the client left the room and said can you look after my cat well yeah so this was this was during the pandemic and it, people were working from home where they hadn't done before and this guy was uh, we were having a meeting genuinely about some design work or development whatever it was and um suddenly he says oh Andy, I'm sorry. There's there's something. There's a situation. I thought it was going to happen later in the day. It's happening now. I've got to leave the room. And they, the whole time he'd had his cat behind him on the back of the sofa. He says the cat hasn't adjusted well to me being home all the time now uh, <laughs> since the pandemic started. So its behaviours, it's not it's not happy. And would you mind? All you've got to do is just kind of talk to it to give it. it <laughs> to, to let it know that I've not walked off, you know, or distract from the fact that I'm walking off. Um, it was bizarre. And I'm, I'm not a pet person. I don't, not that I'm not averse to pets. I just never had them. I haven't got one. I don't know. I don't know anything about cats. So he says to me, and this is the thing, Steve, this is the worst part. He says to me, so the cat's name is, and you know, when on Zoom, you get the little audio kind of glitch. Mm. Right. it's been doing that throughout but it did it then the cat's name is and i couldn't i couldn't catch the cat's name so i i've asked him to repeat it and then we get into that loop of chatting over each other talking over each other i didn't catch the cat's name but it sounded like he told me the cat was called shambles right which is a ridiculous name for a cat but i found myself because the cat of course he walked off and the cat immediately went off the back of the sofa the other way off screen and i didn't see what it was doing couldn't see what it was doing so i'm trying to coax it back and i found i'm just shouting shambles <laughs> Like a demented gambler with a horse at the Grand National, and I'm sort of willing it to win. Shambles, shambles. <laughs> anyway, he does. He eventually comes back, and he, I said, "Dave, I'm really sorry. The cat has, he's gone. I don't know where it's gone. I can't see where it's gone. And it turns out it was under a, I don't know, washing basket or something. But it was, yeah, it was over there. Oh my god." Okay. So I failed. I failed at cat sitting. Right. <laughs> so how on earth did you start a fight in a Parisian artist's ghetto? Well, to be honest with you, I still don't really understand what happened, um, being as I don't speak French that fluently or at all. Um, it was back in college, so before uni, I went to um, Ravensbourne College, and there was a class or course trip to Paris for a week. And we had an itinerary of places to visit, galleries and museums and such. And one of the things on that list was this, I've, I've said the word ghetto, it's probably not PC or even accurate, but it's a, a bunch of artists who would otherwise be homeless have claimed this building, squatting, I suppose. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've taken a room each, decorated their rooms up how they want, how they like, and the public for a fee can come in and wander around. And you're walking in their places of residence, really, and looking at their artwork and stuff. So I'd gone from one room to another, just, just left the bloke, went into this next room there was a lady there working on something and she'd working on she'd done this kind of subversion of mickey mouse and we were encouraged to kind of collect as much imagery or photography or whatever on our trip but i decided to sketch what she was working on 
this uh, Mickey Mouse kind of thing that she was making it look like a bit more punky and a bit more, uh, you know, subversive. And I'm sketching it. She realizes I'm sketching it. And I think she got upset for copyright, which is massively ironic, given that she's plagiarizing a major Disney character <laughs> in the moment. And she rips the book off me. And it's just my whole book for the trip, like all the work I've been doing is in this book. And she takes it off. And, and then the guy for, who's the room previously came in and then they're, they're kicking off in French. Um, my book's getting slung around. People are getting shoved. It's, there's glass breaking, you know, like a full blown Wild Western film. All I did was pick up a pencil, essentially. I started that fight with a pencil. And as I say, I don't know what happened. I don't know who said what to resolve it. <sighs> I should have known this would be hard because you're a good storyteller in your emails. <laughs> all of these sounds... Uh, well, actually, I was going to say, they all sound possible. The one that sounds re- utterly ridiculous is the cat one. <laughs> right, right, right. But, I mean, that comes from me because I own a cat and I can't... Be- like, the, the cat's not going to pay any attention. cat wouldn't pay any attention if it was its owner. Okay, <laughs> so... The dislocated shoulder is odd. I believe it. The Parisian ghetto one is very odd. But I kind of believe it. And yet, why would you make up the cat? No, I'm going to have to go with it. I'm going to say the cat Zoom one is a lie. See, I told you I'm too honest and transparent. Yeah, yeah, that is it. The cats, the cats. Yes! (laughs) That's That's such a stupid story. I've got I've got notes here of what the cat looked like, what it was doing, <laughs> in case we had to get into it. Oh, I appreciate you making the effort on the backstory. <laughs> I wanted to win. Uh, never mind. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 you're right. I don't know how that would work. Um... <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, Andy, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? I would tell myself that it's that it's not going to be an overnight sensation. That whilst that triangle office was garnering results that wouldn't necessarily be the be all and end all uh that wouldn't necessarily be the state of things to come and perhaps some investment in some of the things that we've even talked about today like uh, a bit of a bit of a better understanding of uh business finance business management uh you know to to sort of pay attention a little bit to this kind of stuff and then we might get to where we are quicker than than where I am now, um, because there were some, there were a lot of months, perhaps even years, just sort of whilst it was steady, it was all fine, but it was just that it was steady. I wasn't making huge strides as quickly as I perhaps could have. So, yeah, in the interest of progression, skill development, and uh, you know, even like client handling, things like this, to have to have adopted some of that, uh, some interest in that uh, a lot earlier. Andy, so good to talk to you. Oh, by the way, yeah. am I right in thinking that, so you have a limited company? Yes. And your limited company is? Best Freelance Design Limited. I bloody love that. So if somebody Googles Best Freelance Design. <laughs> that, that'll that come up. Yeah, yeah, that'll come up. I mean, that sounds inspired, but to be genuine with you, that I just I had to fill out the form because the accountant, this is when I was getting an accountant on board for the first time had to come up with a name and had to register it and it was all quite swift so I didn't put much thought to it and and I realized that your trading name can be absolutely anything you want whereas your your limited company name needs to be 
something unique and something i don't know fairly dry it's great so best freelance design but as you say actually when you're talking to clients when you're you know for, for all purposes really you're just andy best yeah they didn't even consider any alternatives really and and it took this this one guy the average man word of the street kind of thing said yeah your name your name's brilliant just just go with your name bloke called harry told me that i'll never forget that so uh, i did i did as he said (laughs) andy thank you so much go to beingfreelance.com there are links through as there are for all of our guests each episode has show notes it has a transcription it has links uh go find andy online check out his work check out his shop oh this is not normally an alarm at this time of day I think that might actually be a real one. But do you know what? At least we've finished a podcast. Sounds like I've got to go. (laughs) (laughs) Andy, thanks so much. And all the best being freelance. Thanks, Steve. Go and save yourself.